Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. fans, welcome to the Bear Style Podcast on a Wednesday. We've got a lot of stuff to get to, some newsy stuff here on the Bear Style Podcast. We're going to talk about that news, some breaking news, broken by my co-host Keely Your Follow on Twitter at Keely is my name, having to do with the NCAA transfer portal and the ever-important running back room. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Before we jump into all this stuff, this is a hi to Keely because she's right here. Keely, how you doing? Oh, hello, Ryan. I'm I, doing well. <laughs> Sorry. You said I'll go to you right away, right? Uh, yeah, I was not prepared for that, but it's okay. You could have been putting on makeup, you're doing something, you know, eating something on the side, whatever. True. But, but no. you were ready. You're... I was ready. I was getting the reviews ready. Yeah. So it's good to be back uh, in studio with you and talking about the USC Trojans. If you guys have any questions or comments for the show, drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or call or text us at 424 424- Two five four nine one four one. especially important during this offseason. We want some different topics. Anything you want to discuss, doesn't have to be a question. It could be some sort of topic that you want us to, hey, why isn't USC running the ball with a fullback in the I formation? Now, we've talked about that before. But we've definitely gotten that before. You can bring it up, and we'll uh, we'll talk about it with you. And if you actually, we, we have one of these. If you want to get your question going right to the top before we talk about any news, before we talk about anything, Leave us a review on your Apple Podcasting app. I just got an iPad, by the way, so I got more Congrats. More things that have Apple Podcasting apps Slowly on becoming them. an Apple man. I'm slowly w- working my way there. Uh, follow us on the Parasol Podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. That's always important. It does help grow the show, but you can leave us a review, any kind of comments you have, suggestions. But if you put a question, boom, we bump you up right to the top of the show. And we have one right now. We do. We actually have three new reviews. So thank you, guys. I really appreciate all the kind words. Uh, so first off, we have a five-star review from JB, class of 8082. 80, and he says, you have made a recovery from my knee replacement livable. Can't wait for the start of the season and more in-depth breakdowns from Shotgun and recruiting updates from Chris. Ryan, let's get together for a hike. Thanks again. Jay Boone, class of eight. 80 and 83. Jay, yeah, well, so hopefully that bionic knee of yours will get on a, a nice big hike. I'm going to sure. get I got to get back into it. I'm, I'm going to uh, next I got to do the six pack again cuz San Gorgonio is open again. It's like the big peaks in Southern California. I missed one cuz the fires closed it. So, but I want to do all six in one season. I did five last season and then I couldn't do the six. So, I'm starting with uh, Mount Wilson. So, that's my next Fun. one. So, Jay, you know, give me a give me a ring and uh, maybe we'll do Mount Wilson together. Look at that. That's a, a pandemic development. You kind of become a hiker, man. That was like, one thing you could do. I played a lot of golf because you're out basically walking around a park by yourself or hiking, which <laughs> yeah. you're walking up a mountain by yourself. So. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. And then we got a five star review from YouTube Scott who says, uh, This whole crew rocks. Been listening to the podcast since it started and been on the w- website Lurk ever since Ryan started it up. The chemistry is great, and I look forward to all the podcasts as I listen to them when I run or commute. Great job. So thank you. Yeah, thanks I for that. I can't imagine listening to my voice while running, so apologies for that. That just seems 
more painful. But they, hey, they put it on the higher it. speed, and then so they run faster. Maybe, maybe. like yeah. maybe okay. And then now to our five star question from Trojan nineteen eighty nine, who said, uh, "Great podcast, five stars. Thanks for all that you do and keeping everyone updated on the team." I have a question though for anyone who wants to answer. Tom McShay had his mock twenty twenty two draft yesterday on NFL Live and had Keaton Slovis going number two to the Lions. So do you think he leaves next year or stays until his senior season? Thanks, Justin. Yeah, I I would bet on leaving at this point. Um, I mean, I think there's going to be I, – it's hard to picture this coaching staff staying intact. Um, you know, if USC does really well, you know, Clay Helton could be back. USC doesn't do well, I, my guess is Clay Helton isn't going to be around. Then what happens with Graham Harrell? Does, if USC is really good and Clay Helton stays, does Graham Harrell get a head coaching job? Either way, I think there's going to be enough shakeup that Keaton Slovis – if he has like a you know, a good year or a decent year, he probably is going to to go out. My guess is Keen Slovis this will be his last year, um, and I don't know if he's going to be the number two pick. But if he has like a season like he did in twenty nineteen, he has that potential. I don't know. What do you think, Keely? Yeah, if he has that twenty nineteen magic again, he's definitely gone. But I can also see a scenario where maybe he's not what we've seen. He's more like twenty twenty Keen Slovis, and the promise of a new coach coming in hypothetically gets him to stay who knows this is very lofty over here but um i can see it going both ways i'm indecisive on this one but it's yeah. one of those things where if he gets any type of momentum as a third year quarterback he's gone that's usually what happens yeah i would say so I, I, just for me like if he has like a pretty good year and it's like everyone's still like okay maybe he's a second round pick do you want to come in with a whole new coaching staff and try to learn something new no, or yeah. yeah so that's that's why i have a hard time picture him coming back i mean there's there's definitely scenarios where it could happen, but I just don't see them as very likely. But thanks for the uh, the question. Yeah, and the, the five-star question. I love that. That's great. Uh, also, before we jump into everything, I want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. They've been awesome uh, to us. I got to make my little run. I usually go beforehand, but things ran a little long this morning, Keely. Got my Meals on Wheels day. Wow. Played a little beach volleyball this morning. The you tough know, life of Ryan Get my Abraham. exercise. Did some work earlier on. <laughs> I'm trying to do my my cousin. Uh, she's a uh, not vegan, but kind of vegan, and <laughs> trying to get me not to eat as much. I'm a carnivore, you know. Trying yes. to get me not stuff. So mm-hmm. I was looking at some stuff at Trader Joe's that's not, uh, you know, maybe my normal cup of tea. So I like bolognese sauce. There's a vegan style pasta sauce bolognese. Uh, you want to try it out with uh, tomatoes, meatless plant based crumbles in there. Oh, so you want to check it out. But they actually have some other. If you and I know that you know some of the stuff is up your alley because the you know the gluten stuff, mm-hmm. uh, vanilla non dairy frozen dessert. Uh, you know I love ice cream, but it's funny like things that are kind of like ice cream. I like that too. I just always end up getting ice cream. So like, well, I'll try kind of like ice cream. Yeah, like okay. the, the frozen yogurt stuff or whatever. <clears throat> but I'll try that non dairy. Uh, so for the people that don't, the uh, do you ever do like cauliflower rice? They have spicy, I do. spicy mm-hmm. Mexican style riced cauliflower. So kind of looking for that. Um, and there's this one I gotta try, <laughs> Magnificence. It's a tangy sauce of secret proportions, uh, but supposed to be healthy for you. So, okay. like, I like a good sauce. So, I there's do. some things that are, you know, trying to go off the reservation a little bit for me, you know, that other people get, but I don't usually get that kind of stuff. Okay. So I will try that this time. Good around job. In my, Proud of uh, you. <laughs> try to different some different things. Oh my god! Like, you eat fish, right? You eat some. You like yeah, sushi? I like yeah. Fish. Apparently, there's some documentary out. I don't even want to say it because 
my cousin was like, you got to watch this documentary. You're never going to eat fish again. I'm like, I'm not going to watch that documentary. <laughs> I don't, I want to eat fish. Like, I like fish. That seems like the Ryan Abraham Yeah, boy. like, I'm just going to avoid that. You know, sort of like if your check engine light comes on, you're like, yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm going to put, I think Homer puts a piece of tape over it. He's like, oh, something's wrong. The piece of tape fell off so I can see the check engine light. Like, yeah. if you don't go to the doctor, then you won't know if anything's wrong with you? Exactly, okay. yeah. Got it, got I'm it. I'm good with the dentist. I go, I actually go like three you times a year. You go a lot to the dentist. I go a lot. Uh, well, there's some, I started going just because like, yeah, this is sort of avoiding. You get the cleaning in and stuff. You know, yeah. six month cleaning you should do, but now I'm doing every four months, you know. Look at you. PSA, we'll people follow our dentists up Go there. get your dentist stuff. I don't go to the doctor very much, but I go to the dentist. So okay. Like, you know, we want the teeth and stuff to look good. Uh, before we jump into everything on the show, uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to our friends over at Reign of Troy. Heyo. Yeah. So Michael and Alicia, we've had them on. Have we had Michael? We've had, I think we've had them both I mean, on. they pretended to be us for April Fool's and we pretended yeah. to be them. Yeah, so. that was funny. Um, so if you, you know, they, uh, Michael, when he was a kid, used to come to my tailgates. Like him, his dad would bring him to the tailgates and stuff, and he brought it up. And Elisa's, you know, been doing, doing a great job. I mean, she would be out there like a one-man band at practice, like tweeting out stuff, posting stories. Car doing, cast, yeah, yeah. Car cast, doing, pre- like she's just, she was doing that a lot. And then she just got a job at Fansided, so she's not going to be around as much. But they're going to still do their show. And uh, it's been fun to see them, you know, kind of grow. And a lot of the podcasting stuff, Everyone has different styles. If you guys listen to podcasts, you listen to us. If you like the information, that's one thing. And you want to get, okay, we want to be informed. But you have to, there's chemistry between hosts and stuff. And that that's important. Like, how yeah. do they get along? If it's just someone, they're like, you have like the best reporter. Like, if you listen to Woj or something and he had a podcast, because <laughs> he breaks all this news all the time. He does have a podcast. But if he, okay, I never listened to it. I'm not a big <laughs> NBA guy. But like, if he was boring as hell, like, people would still listen because he's the information guy. Yeah. But yeah. you grow by like, oh, people like you, you like your chemistry. Like, mm-hmm. what are these guys going to talk about? Um, and I think they've had great uh, on air, you know, chemistry for a long time. Yeah. I didn't really know the background of like, him basically being in love with her for all those years. And like, cause we've known her, like I've known her, I've met like a boyfriend or something that she has had yeah. over the years. Like we had our, uh, in Texas was it 2017. We had this event. So like a, a road event, yeah, big, you know, we were like, okay, we're getting There was a key bar USC owned. And we're like, okay, we'll have like, you know, 20, 30 people come to this thing. Tangent, but yes. Yes. It's way tangent. And we're, so we're there. And we had like 250 people show up in the rain. Like it was, we were packed, couldn't get a drink because it was just so Like we, I guess no one had anything to do in Austin that was a USC fan. They came to our thing. Well, Alicia came and she was dating some guy. I'm sure they really love you bringing I don't care. But like, I've (laughs) just the point is like, I've seen her with. Yes. Yeah. And uh, didn't really know that going on. And then on their recent podcast, he kind of, it was like a bonus episode or something. And they kind of explained like when he like, was smitten by her and that was like, you know, a long time ago. And then, you know, then they had started dating and all this stuff. And then he asked her on air and it was like, I was like driving the car and like was tearing up. I was so like, it was, yeah. it was just really cool the way he did it. It was perfect for them. So anyway, I know it's long, them, whatever, yeah. but they're, they're, they're great people. And we just wanted to wish them congratulations. You were, you were there at their game night that night. So I was, so I was there post engagement and I got, I got the, the fake episode like right after it happened. So yeah, it was really exciting to see. So I actually knew before it was going to happen and I'm, I'm kind of a blabbermouth. So I was trying really hard not to say anything. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. So congrats to them. Very happy for them. Very, very cool. So yeah, you don't usually see like podcast hosts, like get married, but there they go. So. Well, it's funny because I put it on my Insta story and then everyone was like, 
they were dating? And I was like, I felt like everyone kind of knew based on the chemistry, but I guess not. Yeah, well, I did. I didn't know. Like, I usually am the last to know all these things, but then I think you might have told me or something, or I'm like, I oh. think so. Yeah, or there was like, or I, I was like, hey, are they dating? You're like, yeah, they've been dating. I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't yeah. know that. There you go. Uh, but congrats to uh, congrats, Michael congrats. and Alicia. Yeah, great stuff there. Um, all right, we got some breaking news to get to. Okay, so Keely, since you broke this yeah. on on the Twitters and on USCFootball.com. What's going on with uh, USC running back Stephen Carr? Yeah, he uh, entered the transfer portal on Tuesday. That's something that I had heard for a bit. Um, but, you know, guys kind of get cold feet. They're not sure about it. But he did officially enter on uh, Tuesday. And that's something where, you know, coming into spring camp, Mike Jenks was talking about with the LA Times, you know, USC really needs to have one to two ball carriers, main yeah. ball carriers. They're not going to have this, like, run by committee thing. Um and so we saw we kind of saw that play out in spring camp and, and Jinx kind of doubled down on his statement when we asked him about it in his media availability. And he said, you know, I've told these guys to be prepared, like there will be decreased carries if you're not uh, one of the two guys that I want to start. Um, and and here's the thing, like Carr becomes the second running back to transfer out. Marquis Step transferred to Nebraska in January. But I was hearing rumors a little bit about Carr in January as well. But Carr loves USC. And, like, people in his corner were telling him, hey, you probably should move on. You should probably go somewhere else. And he, he just loved USC so much that he didn't. And so he ended up getting his degree. And, and then he decided, you know, I, I, he, I think he could see the writing on the wall. We talked about a lot this spring, Keontae Ingram. He was a dynamic back. I think he brought something different to USC's running back group. And so, and we and we've seen throughout the last couple of years that the coaching staff really loves of Malapai and the versatility he can bring not only in the run game but pass protection, et cetera, et cetera. So, I think he kind of got this sense that he basically was going to be on special teams and then get some carries behind Keontae and and uh and Vivai. So, I think for him, he decided this is kind of my last shot before I go to the league, and so I need to make sure that I'm getting my development. And so sources that I talked to heavily suggested that uh, the fact that Dylan McCullough is back at Indiana was a big motivator for this decision. Now, it's not like a tampering situation, but it's something that he thought about because uh, Dylan McCullough was his running backs coach yeah. in 2017 when he was a freshman, when he had that electric season when where everyone, yeah, yeah, when everyone said, oh my gosh, who is this kid? And so, and granted, that was before his back injury, which really zapped his power. But I mean, if you're Steven Carr, it makes the most sense because you have one more shot to get developed and to raise your draft stock. And from what we've seen in the past couple of years of, of the guys Stephen Carr has been coached by, Dylan McCullough was just great. Like we saw him that first day in spring camp and we're like, wow, okay, he has he all good. these he has these contraptions that we've never seen before. Yeah. Like he has really high expectations. And so um, I think they have a good bond. And so that's where sources have suggested. I've heard other places as well where he could end up. And I know a lot of Oregon fans were my mentions trying to somehow convince Carr to come uh, to Oregon. But yeah, so that was the development there. And, and you know, it, it's kind of sad because I think USC fans expected more from Carr in his time as a Trojan. And I think Carr did himself, but that back injury really hampered him. And then when you have, you know, you go from a guy like Dylan McCullough to Tim Drevno, who had one year of coaching as a running backs coach, 
early in his career. Yeah. Like to go from that, that's just uh, you're not getting developed in that sense. That's so, starting your development for sure. Yeah, yeah and so that uh, you kind of feel for him in that sense where you don't have that continuity and you you don't really have the best of the best coaching you. So that's where I you know I feel sympathetic for the player, but. Uh, just you know, you you think of Stephen Carr as a true Trojan, and so it's it's kind of sad to see him leave, but he's on his way. So we'll see where he ends up. Yeah, uh, someone that has been a joy to cover. Um, yeah. I remember covering him in high school. Him and you know Najee Harris and. Najee Harris ends up being a first run. They're both the five-star running backs from California. Well, that's the crazy thing is when I was writing this story, you know, I just kind of went into this black hole of looking at the 2017 recruiting class. And if you look at, I mean, Carr came in as the composite number three running back. Yeah. And the guy ahead of him, Najee, Najee Harris, Alabama, everyone knows that, uh, Cam Akers. And then behind him was DeAndre Swift at Georgia. Those guys are first-round, second-round draft picks. Yeah. And look at Carr, you're kind of looking, okay – can he get to the league? Like, is he going to be drafted or is he going to become a UDFA? And so, I don't know. It's it's interesting just to see how the trajectory of where they all entered coming into that 2017 class and then where they are now. Um, Carr is kind of the outlier. But it's also, I think it's a, a combination of health and coaching. You know, I think, right. it's, I think it's both things. It's not just one. And at USC, you hadn't been in a place that's really running the football lately either. So yeah. That's, that doesn't help. Yeah. Um, you know, you can put that in with coaching. But if you are at the spring game, Carr looked good. You he could argue good. he was yeah. the best running back that day. I mean, you know, Ingram had maybe the coolest play, but Carr was probably the better running back that day. Yeah. I mean, it looked like. It was a like a gamer situation for Carr where he was in the Coliseum and suddenly the lights were turned on and he was ready to go. Like he yeah. just looked like it, he was very comfortable out there. And so um, I'm curious what happened behind the scenes as far as post spring, if there were any conversations had about like, hey, this is where you stand. Because I know Mike Jinks said that they're going to go into fall camp and, and get that uh, depth chart kind of figured out then. But I guess if you're Stephen Carr, you just don't want to wait uh, that long. And if you have Keontae Ingram already in here, you know, it's kind of, I think it's, Maybe the best move for him based on what he was picking up signal-wise. Yeah. All right. Well, we wish uh, Stephen Carr the best and a uh, nice job breaking the story, Keely. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. We'll see uh, where he ends up. We're still kind of waiting to hear. We're hearing some stuff about Pallier Notote, where he's yeah. going to go, like yeah. bouncing around. So there's some interesting you know, former five-star guys from USC in the transfer portal. Yeah, and uh, and, and some more transfer portal rumbles, I'll say that. But, ooh, yeah. rumble, rumble. So um, it's always a, a guessing game, just because some people change their mind. Or, or and here's the thing, they go, they have their mind made up, and they go tell the coaches, and the coaches dissuade them from, from transferring. Right. So it's always a process that you have to wait out and see. You make some promises, whatever you're going to do. You know, I just got the scholarship distribution chart updated, and then you Look get you. this big... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's going to blow it up a little bit. Um, we actually have some questions. Well, have, uh, some questions later on about uh, some players uh, if they're still on the team or not. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But there's some other um, breaking news. Uh, this is with women's basketball. Now you know. Usually we talk USC women's basketball about half the show, right? Like usually, pretty much. Maybe the first time we ever mentioned. No, not ever. But like, <laughs> you know, they've not been great. Uh, with that Mark Track, they brought it back for yeah. a second tenure. That's historic sort of program, though. Huh? Historic program. Though. Historic. Yeah, we were at the one of the last things we did before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. The uh, what was the uh, HBO the the women's hoops the documentary? Yeah. yeah. I forget what the name of it was. <laughs> wow, we suck. <laughs> uh, yeah. Women well, of Troy. Women, oh, it was just Women of Troy. I think so. That's a pretty tough one to remember. <laughs> I do have a uh, 
tank top jersey with my name on it from that from that um but yeah you know cheryl miller and and all the you know their whole crew of the the studs you know and still involved in basketball today they're trying to get back to that and uh for this is mostly a football podcast right so we're going to talk you know i want you were at the press conference i want to get your thoughts on usc hiring uh lindsey gottlieb no relation to uh, Doug, who a lot of people know from the basketball world, I mentioned this on the Monday show with uh, Harvey Hyde, but it just broke. You've already you've you got to experience the the press conference to kind of get your thoughts on that. She was the first um, call it you know Power Five head coach for women's basketball to be hired by an NBA team. She did go to the Final Four with Cal. Yeah, had a lot of success there. To me, I mean, it's just when we tell people. Look, the athletic department's different now. They're going to make moves. I know this isn't the move, the big move that most of the football fans want, but I think it showed some goodwill showing, like, look, this is a department that's willing to make big moves because this was a big move. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So this is something that I actually had been hearing about behind the scenes for a couple of weeks. And and Lindsay kind of talked about it in her press conference. She didn't have any expectation to leave the NBA as soon as she did because she came to the Cavs, I believe, two years ago. And so she was like, I'm here. I'm here to challenge myself. I don't want to leave soon. And yet USC kind of identified her as one of the main candidates and went after her hard. They they were aggressively pursuing her. And so finally, I mean, she described it as a as a transcendent opportunity because she was like, it's the right place, the right time. And and Mike Bone apparently seems very invested to get USC women's basketball back to where uh, it once was. And so that really convinced her. And so, I mean, I know people are going to poo-poo this and be like, oh, women's basketball, who cares? But um, I think overall, it speaks to what USC's athletic department their strategy has been hiring. I mean, it seems like overall they're trying to go out and get the best candidate for the position and not just have a familiar face. Oh, okay. The USC Rolodex, they sneezed on campus once. Let's hire them. (laughs) You know? So, so I think the fact that they're identifying the right candidates, they're going out and getting them should be comforting for um, USC fans, because if they're willing to be this aggressive and serious about something that is not, being frank like not a revenue maker for the school how do you think they're going to approach something that is very important to the school uh its fan base the revenue etc cetera, etc cetera? you know they're gonna they're gonna do a good job it seems like based on what we've seen so far so um but she was really cool just hearing her press conference you know i i have a lot of respect for women who who do things in a male-dominated field so it was just really cool to hear her experiences and and i she had a zoom with the women's basketball team they loved her. It seemed like it went really well from what I heard. And so, I mean, it's, it's it seems like a great hire, and it made waves in the basketball world. Like, it, it made national headlines. And yeah. so, if USC... Like Woj is tweeting about it, right? Yeah. Woj has 4.7 million followers, and USC had, like, a quote-unquote Woj bomb. I mean, that in yeah. itself is great marketing for the school. I mean, these are all things that were thought about in the strategy and in, in trying to bring her over. So, I mean... You want USC to be relevant in all areas if you're a USC fan, and this is a start in one direction. You know? Yeah. And uh, I think from the women's basketball point of view, you'd love to see them get back to winning national championships, being competitive. They just haven't really been yeah. competitive. I mean, if you're going to be recruiting somebody, you want tradition and all that stuff that helps, but no one's been like, oh yeah, I was an NBA coach. Like no one's going to be recruiting you in college basketball. That's like, oh yeah, I've coached the Cavs, you know, like, yeah. I, was, so like, like that's, I was courtside for every game. I was scouting <laughs> the Bulls, you know, like, right. yeah. 
Yeah, when uh, when we played LeBron, man, that was a weird like like what you know like. Well, it was so funny because she kept saying Caleb, meaning Kevin Love, and just casually, you know. And there was a lot of NBA players that were like so excited for you, you know. It was just really cool because she's definitely very respected, not only in the college basketball world but in the NBA. Yeah. And so for USC to get someone of that caliber and bring them down to the college basketball level after being in the pro ranks, I think that's a big deal because she definitely sounded like she didn't have any intention of doing so, and yet here she is. And yeah. so I mean. And here's the thing, USC also tried to really market it as like, hey, look at what we do for our hires. You know, they have the video of the private jet, them like welcoming her at LAX and whatnot. And so everything can be, I mean, everything is a recruiting tool. You know what I mean? Like you're not just recruiting, uh, you know, football players, you're recruiting future coaches. And if you're showing that the treatment you give your women's basketball coach, you know, I think it, you're always recruiting. And I think that helped. So the biggest pet peeve that I've had with USC yes. over since I've known you, Keely, probably since you were born, <laughs> is what is like when they've made hires, it's it's just about, you know, who you know. Like it's it's Urban Meyer bringing in Tim Tebow because they know. Him. <laughs> yeah. It's not let's get someone who's really good at their job. And I said I said all you have to do, I would make the the rule like don't hire anyone that was at USC because Basically, you lost your privileges because you just kept hiring USC people. Yeah. Just hire someone that's good at their job. And and I think a lot of the fans just assumed that that was going on. You're like, oh, they want to hire someone that like, no, there's that was a lot not, of it's related. Yeah. That was definitely not happening. Yeah. And I think the goodwill that the new athletic department, Mike Bone and his crew, Brandon Sauce and all those guys. I think they proved it when they were in Cincinnati. They made, you know, Luke Fickle has been a great hire. Obviously, they I forget the women's basketball coach name, but they brought in like a really good women's basketball coach there. They've, um, you know, they they've done that and they've proven that we're going to go out and not necessarily like, oh, that guy made a run for the Sweet Sixteen with golf coach. They're not, you know, no knock on Andy Enfield. Like he had a great year this last Which, year. Which, by the way, is uh, Lindsey Gottlieb's. They have the same agent. They Fun do fact. have the same agent. It's pretty funny. Well, so, but in, ba- in the past, they were like, oh, let's hire that person because they have an agent. You don't just necessarily talk to, like, oh, that guy made a run. Well, what was going to happen the year after they made that run? What happened the two years before? Was it just some magical thing that happened once in a lifetime and you're making a hire based on that? Yeah, yeah. Or is it like, oh, you see what the, the what they built up? What's the last program they left? What were What happened when they were gone? I think they put a lot of thought into the hiring process and not just getting, I mean, USC wasn't even going to get a hot name half the time. They were just like, here's your friend, but even taking it to another level, like, Oh, that, that guy's hot right now. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to stay hot. It could just be this, you know, like I said, lightning in a bottle this one time, this is a like home run. You know, if you're going to try to get a women's basketball coach, it's going to be hard to find someone better than Lindsay Gottlieb. I would think, I mean, they're just for LA, just bring a lot to the table I think if you're a football fan, just say, wow, okay, they're capable of really thinking about the best person for the job. That's why there's a better video department. That's why there's a better recruiting department. That's why the coaching staff is a hell of a lot better now, the assistant coaching staff, than it was two years ago before Bone got there. I get it. There's still one hire you want to see them make. That might happen sometime soon. Who knows? But you should give you some faith that you, when you hire an experienced athletic director that has done this before and run an athletic department and had these big budgets and made hires and fired people, 
having that experience matters. Like, yeah, you could have hired Pat Hayden. Maybe he would have been good, but you have no idea. He's never done that before. Lin Swan certainly never done it before. That's the kind of, and so basically you were just going to keep status quo. Anyone that was already in the athletic department was going to be making the decisions anyway. Um, this was good. You bring in someone from the outside and they're actually going out and hiring people that are good at their job. And that's all I've ever asked them to do. And now USC is doing it. Yeah. And I mean, just to remind people, people kind of got mad at us for previewing this kind of strategy that we've learned that the athletic department has. You know, we said early on, like, hey, they have a strategy for hiring. And we haven't seen that from other from previous admins. And so people kind of got mad at us. But this is another data point of, hey, look, they went out as like they tried to evaluate who the best candidates are and they got basically one of the best. So, I mean, if you're a USC fan out there going, yeah, okay, whatever, I don't like women's basketball. Sure. First of all, if you're a USC fan, you should support all USC sports. But second of all, you should just be happy that, hey, this looks like a competent athletic department that yeah. is doing their job. Like, that should be uh, good for you as a USC fan. And I think it helps the women's basketball program, obviously, getting a really competent head coach, not a retread, not just someone that they could, like, figure something out with, like – it's going to make people want to go to games. You're going to yep. want to go to watch. When I was in school, I mean, I didn't know much about women's basketball. I had a couple of friends that we would play like in the Lions Center and stuff that, that were on the women's basketball team. And they're like, you know, they kicked my butt. But uh, <laughs> we played with like, I was on the club volleyball team. We'd play with some of the women's volleyball team. And it was fun. We'd have some good times with that. I could hang better with the volleyball than the basketball <laughs> stuff. But Lisa Leslie was there. And like casual, I wanted to see. Lisa Leslie Dunk, like that's all you yeah. heard about. So I would go to women's basketball games all the time. There was like some hook in there, and I I used to go to women's basketball games. Um, I think people will go again, you know, knowing that oh yeah. you got this NBA coach coming and coaching the basketball yeah. team. I mean, what's the phrase of rising tide lifts all boats? Yeah, I mean, you want if you're a USC fan, all the programs to be successful. It helps your school with its marketing. It's just a good thing. So this is just <laughs> don't be cranky, USC fans. Is my PSA. It's a good thing and continue on <laughs> yes so we'll uh we'll definitely follow Lindsay. i'm gonna try to get her maybe on uh i heard a little lunch with a trojan maybe or something I, we, we gotta bring that back put me on it <laughs> I wanna, oh I you want to be on there too oh yeah, yeah we'll, she's we'll, great i we want to talk to oh her. we'll both we'll, we'll pick both. a brain okay we'll both do that yeah it'd probably be better you do. i could even like produce it you host it with her like no i don't care it doesn't matter it doesn't have to be like because i'm the female it's just i want to talk to her <laughs> oh, okay I, I would like to talk to her too so yeah. it's really interesting cool, cool. um all right we got to get to, so I love my buddy John Wilner, uh, San Jose Mercury News, all over the Pac-12, you know, commissioner search and things like that. Just does a good job. He comes on my uh, podcast of champions. I co-host with David Woods, plug. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so we, you know, we talk a lot of Pac-12. He, I mean, we talk, like a lot of our news stuff is just like, you know, Wilner's hotline, like his <laughs> newsletter stuff, but we'll, he'll come on and he says, oh, we love you guys. We listen to all the time. Like, why do you love us? Like, we just love you, but good, good dude. But he uh, caused a little controversy on the peristyle. Recently, he came out with his post-spring, um, and it's not quite post-spring because UCLA and Stanford are still going through spring football. It's crazy. But divisional projections uh, for the North and the South. And he did have Washington. He used to, in, in January, had Washington first, Oregon second. Those guys have swapped. Um, and it's, you know, at the top, it's like Cal's third, and then you sort of whatever, what you want to do with Stanford, Oregon State. In Washington State. The South, he likes a lot more. He thinks it's a lot more competitive, which I think is true. But the controversy is uh, he has Arizona State one. They were one back in January. He had USC two in January, drops USC to three 
and puts Utah up at number two, and UCLA stays at four with Colorado staying at five and Arizona staying at six. And, you know, Arizona has done a lot of good things in the offseason, but it's, you know, they're on a 12 game losing streak. It's going to take a while. He actually says the Trojans are a better bet for fourth place than first place with third as the most likely outcome. And I'll, I'll give you a few thoughts, Keely, and then kind of get your thoughts sure. here. I, I think USC is going to be the favorite in the South. I think John does a great job on this. Um, you know, Utah's done a really nice job in the transfer market. They get Charlie Brewer over in from Baylor. Their lines are always going to be good. They're well coached. Uh, you know, Arizona State is sort of that hot team. They you know brought a lot of talent in from Southern California. You know, they do have uh, Jaden Daniels. Um, you know, one of the, you know, there's not a lot of returning quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Slovis and Daniels are two of the better ones, and you know, uh, DTR over at UCLA. But I think it's. I don't feel this is going to be accurate. I do feel USC is going to be the favorite in the South. When you're talking about all the talent that's returning, um, when you talk about a much better and upgraded assistant coaching staff, yes, it's taken years for that to happen, but it did happen. I think USC is still going to be the team to beat. I mean, ASU, I like a lot, but you know they've just been the seven and five team forever. Can they break through? Uh, and and get through that ceiling. Utah, we saw them win the division a couple of times, but you know they they weren't able to win the Pac-12. USC is the only Pac-12 South team to win the Pac-12. I think in ten years, like the the North has won it um, nine to ten times or something like that, which is crazy. And I think UCLA is improving. I like the way they they ran the ball. I like you know the the way they were playing defense by the end of the year, but I just don't think you know the talent's going to be there. To me, it's it's USC as the clear favorite. Uh, in the South, I just feel like they're going to, you know, win that. Can they go through and win the Pac-12? I'm not sure. The schedule's set up really well. There's no Friday games. Uh, they don't have to play Oregon. They don't have to play Washington. I'm not getting where uh, where John's talking about USC finishing third here. So, uh, yes, the offensive line could have some issues. There's enough talent all across the board, I think, to make up for that. I think you're going to see improved defense, better special teams, if the offense can get back to where it was a little 2019-ish, um, yeah, I, I still think USC has to be the clear favorite in the South. They might not win it. And if, if they don't win the South, I think it's like donezo, like this coaching staff has to go, or at least, you know. But I feel like they're going to be the favorite. I feel like they're going to win the South in 2021. What do you think, Keely? Yeah, I feel like the South is USC's to lose. Like, it's something that they will fumble away rather than they'll come in third yes. somehow. You know, like, and I feel like Wilner liked Jaden Daniels better than Keen Slovis based on his write-up. It was interesting. And I think also the offensive line play came into play as why USC's third. And I get that. I think the fact that we still don't really have a clear idea of who that starting five is going to be is a little concerning. Um, but, you know, I just USC and its talent, I know we say it every season, but there's just something about the way they pull out games. I mean, the fact that they won last minute games in the majority of 2020, I think it just speaks to uh, how this team is talented. And I think the thing that's underrated is I think this team is really bonded. seems like there's a lot of chemistry and Clay Heldon said it's so as much. Um, and with Steiner, I think the workouts have really helped as well. Yeah. So um, I also am just intrigued by the defense. I think another year under their belt and having a real spring camp really helped develop this defense. So I think that will kind of help, Maybe the issues we see over on the offensive side of the ball. But yeah, yeah. but I definitely think the South is USC's to lose. I, I wouldn't say third for USC. Yeah, the fact that they're closer to fourth than first. Just I, the, yeah, no. I'm not uh I'm not buying that from John. We'll have to get him on the podcast and kind of get his 
thoughts on that. But sort of like USC does have that talent advantage, but then now you also have, you know, competent assistant coaches all over the place, which you said you make those good hires. Yeah. It's sort of like you're the you're a blackjack, but you're the dealer. Like USC's the dealer. So like even if you get a bad hand, the other players got to go first and they could bust. You know, like there's just talent gives you that extra edge where you don't bring your A game. You didn't really have a great game plan, whatever it is. But, oh, Drake J- Jackson just made a sack or Drake London just made a ridiculous one-handed catch. It's sort of like that wasn't coaching. That wasn't really anything. But you just have some dudes that other guys don't have. And USC has guys like that, too. So, like, I think all those factors, yes, easily USC could not win the South. But I can't say they'd be closer to fourth than first. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's the thing we've said with Clay Hilton teams every single season. There's what USC can do and should do and what they end up doing. And sometimes you can't predict which way they're going to go. And that's why we mentioned the talent factor. You can't predict for that. You know, you know, you can't predict for a Drake London one-handed catch at the end zone of the Arizona game, Arizona State game. You know, there's right. things where you can't just On predict. fourth and 15 or Yeah, that like was, you're yeah. not going to be able to, the odds tool never tell you that that's going to happen. But it yeah. does because USC's talented and can pull it out somehow. So, I mean, that's the thing. What USC will do and what they should do and what they can do. A lot of the times, those are different answers. So yeah. we shall see. We will see. But we love you, John. But I'm not going to agree with that one. All <laughs> right. Uh, that was a lot of newsy stuff. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and do some questions. Back in a minute. All right. We're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Keila, we got a – you want me to start with a voicemail and then sure. jump into the rest? Okay, we'll do a voicemail here. Speaking of the the run game, I think this might have came in before the news broke. Okay. So if they mentioned Stephen Carr, you know, just let you know there was an earlier voicemail. But no here worries. Hello, this question is for Keely and Ryan, and I'm going to leave another one because I realized my last voicemail was way too long. So <laughs> anyways, basically my question is, is do you think that Clay Helton would actually allow for a situation in which – Vi Melipai and Stephen Carr are not the top two backs. I, I know you guys have been very impressed with Keontae. I was as well. Granted, I've only been able to watch one practice, but so that's not really saying all that much. But uh, it, it does seem like he can bring something both in a, from a physicality perspective and an open field perspective that I'm not sure I've seen from the other backs. Uh, but do you think that it's actually practical that he could beat those two guys out who are – you know, just politically and in past SC teams, it seems like political matters, seniority matters, who you are in terms of the head coach's opinion of you matters. So anyways, spot on Jason Longhorn country. What's up, Jason? Yeah. Jason. So Stephen Carr is probably not going to win the job now. <laughs> Considering he's in the portal. Yes. Yes. That's accurate. I mean, the fact that he entered the portal should probably give you an idea of, yes. of what, how they're treating this and i think you know i do agree with what jason said like we've seen in the past where seniority um like veteran status will get you more reps than maybe the best player and so i while i do believe that happens i think the running back position was so it was just it was so poor (laughs) they played so poorly uh last season that you can't afford to have something like that happen and the fact that they went to the portal and got someone like Keontae Ingram shows that they at least mean business as far as like hey we need to change something and so I mean the jinx stuff sounded a little bit like coach speak 
prior to camp. Mm. And then the fact that he kind of followed up on it in camp. And then we're seeing Stephen Carr enter the portal. It just seems like, okay, this, they actually mean it. Now, granted, we can see things in spring and then suddenly they change in the fall. But I think they do mean it, at least for the running back position where, hey, you need to produce and you need to make things up so uh, or make up yards. So we'll see. But I do think the fact that Stephen Carr is in the portal should tell you something about what they mean or their mindset going forward. Yeah. And I, I, I would say when we went out to practice and if I just like, if you didn't know anybody and you just, you were just like a football fan and you watched Ingram was the one that was standing out in practice the yeah. most. And you're like, Oh, okay. And players know that and players see that too. But you know, to Steve Carr's credit, he looked really good uh, in the spring game. And if he felt confidence in his abilities, but if he's like, you know what, Ingram's a new toy and they're going to want to use him and Vivai's like the favorite, like you're never going to, you know, get get off of him. I'm going to be the odd man out. Um, you know, maybe that's part of the the mindset there. But yeah, I felt like before Keontae came to USC, Carr provided a different element to the room. But Keontae is almost like, and this is no offense to Carr, but like an elevated version of of Carr, where he's a little bit healthier, he has a little bit more oomph to him, you know. And so I think that's that's the difference is that he's no longer the unique back in the room where he provides something different than the other guys. I think he realized that, Hey, you know, I, I might be third now. So we'll see. And I mean, it, it's rough because who, who knows if he was actually more healthier during his Trojan career where he would be now his development, but it's just been a bumpy road for him health wise. Yeah. Imagine if he didn't have a offensive line coach as a running back coach in a second yeah year. I like, mean that's not fair to anyone yeah. you know so it's just it's rough those bad decisions like you know that would never like when we get back to the the Gottlieb stuff like that would never happen no now like if Clay Hilton wanted to hire someone like that to do a job like that he wouldn't that wouldn't happen it, like, they would not let it fly that your offensive line coach in waiting is something to become your Running, running backs back coach. coach, yeah. While you still have your offensive line coach that you know you want to replace yeah. there, like that, what is happening? <laughs> that was just that's just poor leadership, poor decision making, yeah. And unfortunately, you know, some of the residual damage, I guess you could say, is a guy like Stephen Carr. And yeah. Maybe that's part of the re- you know, if USC makes a better, an actual running backs coach hire in 2018, I guess it was. Yeah. Maybe Stephen Carr's you know better off and and he's left the nfl by now who knows who knows and that's what i was saying like it's it's there's so many variables to this because i definitely think their development was stunted uh when you don't have a legitimate running backs coach and not to that's not a diss on tim drevno but he's not that wasn't his specialty so it's you're not gonna be able to be developed as well as you probably could have yeah so when i and i feel bad because what we do here a lot is a decision gets made and we would like as the decision gets made, before we even know the results, we'll be like talking about it on the podcast, like, why the hell are they doing that? You know, and you know, it's not going to happen like right away, but you know, it could be years later. And you're like, yeah, wow, that was just terrible. It's not hindsight. It's like we we told you this was going to be terrible, like when you made the decision, and then it yeah. happens. And you see, it's just if you make the right decisions, it's going to, you know, it's it's like tilling the, the the soil and you know picking the weeds and putting the right seeds down yeah. and it's like yeah later on you're gonna have these great crops and it's like well i i let the weeds go there well my lettuce isn't coming in as good because like the the weeds are drought like whatever it is like you want to make those those really good decisions hiring you know lizzie gottlieb is a really good decision and i don't know if they'll win a national championship but that's just 
that's everything going forward is now based off of a very good decision. And you're and, putting yourself in a place to succeed. Yes. And hiring your offensive line coach in waiting, as you put it, to be the running backs coach because you didn't really want to go out and it's like you're kind of upset that you made this nice hire from Indiana, the best hire Clay Helton probably made that was, you know, of his own volition there to bring in Dylan McCullough. You get quote unquote burned because he leaves after a year, but that's what you want. They like, go out and get the next really good one, not, oh, we're going to bring Triv- Tim Drevno back because he's going to take over the offensive line eventually. Like, that's just lazy and just not – that's not smart. And to give context, that was the season after the the Cotton Bowl where we showed up and saw the off, the Ohio State linemen and went, okay, this game's over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like right. it was just they were manhandled in the trenches and that should should have been sign number whatever that, hey, maybe it's time to, to make a change. And granted, like from what I've heard – Clay Hilton didn't really have a lot of resources to be like, hey, let's mix this up and do this and have enough to bring in this running backs coach. So I don't entirely blame Hilton on that. Um, but still, the there were some obvious moves that were not made. And I feel like I talk about it all the time on this podcast. I think Neil Calloway is the thing I just say over and over again. But talk about not putting down the right soil. Look at offensive line recruiting. Look at the offensive lineman that USC has right now. Why are you going to the portal for left tackle? Why did you have Elijah Vera Tucker move over to left tackle? You know what I mean? I'm going to rant right now, but there's, just, there's so many dominoes based on these decisions, you know? 100%. And it affects so much. And so I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you remember what happened in 2018? Did they have a good season? I or no? don't think it was good, Ryan. <laughs> don't think it was good. No. Yeah. Well, anyway, don't mean to harp on all this stuff. Yeah, sorry. But here we are. Like, that's why. Well, Stephen Carr. You made a bad decision in 2017 or whatever, and in 2021, Stephen Carr's transferring. And part of the reason, for sure, is that decision you made in, in 2017 or 2018, whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a two-way street, like I said. Carr also had some, some issues yeah, as well. Yeah, there's but. more to it, but like you give yourself a better chance to keep your five-star running back yeah. if you had made better decisions and put you know better people around him. He did a really good job when he was a freshman, and then after that, not so much. Yeah. Well... Shall we jump into questions? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have an email from Gordon, or sorry, it's a text, who said, Spring practices had no mention of Frank Martin and Bernard Shermer, who also sat out last season due to COVID. Are they still on the team? Transfer portal, question mark. How about Trevor Trout, uh, medically retired? And he says he wants us to send him a text back, but <laughs> Gordon, that's not how it works. We're not a text line. We're a yeah. podcast line. <laughs> we're a podcast line, so we're going to talk about it on the podcast. Um, so Frank Martin, I believe, had some – we put some stuff in the war room on this. It was uh, – I, I think it was a – I put it in there so I should remember. I think it was some COVID stuff and he was – COVID out. issues, yeah. Yeah, but uh, he should be back. Yeah, but and he did opt out for the season uh, in 2020. 2020, yeah. Just and like so did Bernard Shermer. Shermer. And then Shermer, I'm not sure on. You know, Shermer, we've never gotten a good read on of where he is. Is he practicing? Okay, he was here one day. He's here not – that day he's kind of in the solomon toyola poopoo category where like if we see it consistently then we'll start talking about it but so far we haven't seen that yeah and then trevor trout uh he unfortunately just had a, a back issue that never got fixed and he was forced to medically retire which is is rough it's always hard for guys to transition out of sports that way that quickly or abruptly so uh yeah so he is medically retired he's still on twitter though you want to follow him he's, yeah he's pretty active on the tweets sports guy he's uh doing sjc or as i don't know chris did it it's the sports journalism institute okay it's a little like uh intensive over the summer nice so yeah good stuff 
Oh, uh, thanks for that, Gordon. Yeah, thanks, Gordon. Sorry we didn't text you back. Uh, we had a question from our buddy Stephen Poway who said, uh, thinking back on last week's NFL draft, I was impressed that Elijah Vera Tucker went as high as he did. I know this calls for speculation, but where do you think he would have been selected if he had not played last season? Put differently, how many slots do you think he moved up by playing so well this past season and giving scouts a few more games of high-quality quote-unquote tape? Also, were you surprised by any of the USC players' selection location in the draft, high or low? Thanks, Stephen Poway. Hey, Steve. So I would say there's no formula for C, everyone should come back or C, everyone should opt out or the three Pac-12 first round draft picks were all opt outs. Elijah Vera Tucker is the only one that came back. Um, you know, Penny Sewell, uh, Joe Tryon, you know, they they opted out and they were still had enough tape. They still had enough measurables that they were first round picks. I don't think Elijah Vera Tucker would have been for sure. I think just showing that he can play. The left tackle spot showed a lot of versatility. He might be a guard um, in in the NFL, but he showed that he can play out there. You don't get to carry many offensive linemen, you know, so you can't just have like, this guy's only right guard. Like you don't have anyone that's like that. Like they, well, he could play some center too, or he could play, you know, you need some versatility there. He brings that to the table. So I think he's someone that definitely helped himself. There's other guys that didn't need it, Um, you know, Jay Tefele going like the first pick in the fourth round. If he played, would he have gone higher? Yeah, probably. You know, it, it just depends. And, and you know, USC's not been – people aren't getting a bump for, hell, they played at USC. Like, you're getting a little bump for you play at Alabama right now for good reason because they got a lot of talented players. Yeah. You know, some of, you're not really getting that right now because for some of the development that's been happening at USC. So – um, we'll see, but I think he is one that definitely helped his stock by coming back. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you look at him specifically, he only had one year as a starter on tape and that's not really enough. And I know USC in their pitch to get him to come back, use that against him. Like, Hey, you don't have a lot of tape. And so I think they even brought in a former NFL GM and, and said like, Hey, we need more to evaluate you. This is what it's going to look like if you don't play. So they really worked him to come back. And I think part of it was just because, uh, he just didn't have a lot of reps. And yeah. so it definitely helped. And like you said, Ryan, the versatility always helps when you can show scouts that you can do multiple things. Yeah. It was only six games, but it was enough. You know, yeah. like that was, that was a good, like, okay, we get it. Like you can play. Yeah. Tackle. Yeah, because he because he was great at guard. I mean, the PFF rankings was were off yeah. the charts, but just to be like, hey, not only can I do guard, but look at me shift outside and yeah. still. But be those PFF numbers definitely helped him. Like, definitely, like, you know, yeah. like, oh, you're the best guard in the country. Okay, that's good. Yeah, definitely helps. And then, uh, did you were you surprised by any of the USC players' selection location, high or low? Uh, not really. Like, you know, it's just I know there was a lot of talk about some second round stuff. I thought you know maybe like Amon Ross St. Brown would be like a third round guy or Jay Tafelli or something. But uh, I, I didn't, I didn't think there were going to be guys going like earlier than that. But they, the fact that everyone dropped to the third day was a little, that was a little surprising, but I thought you might get a third, third rounder or two. I thought Amon Ra was going to be selected before Jay Tafelli. That's actually what we had in our pre-write. <laughs> so we had to change that around when it happened. But, oh yeah. Yeah. But that, I think that was the only surprise for me there, but. But he's uh where where he ended up in Detroit, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah, they got I mean they got a good receiving core. They got Jared Goff though, right? So yeah. you're gonna have to, you know, yeah. we'll see but, what happens there. I mean, yeah. we saw Amon Ra in as a f- true freshman in PRPs and we're like, 
that kid is <laughs> unreal. Like that can't right. be a freshman. Like he was a professional when he stepped on campus. So I, I'm sure that he'll get some run there. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's someone that's actually, you know, physicality wise, like just, I mean, he's been weightlifting since he was a little kid, right? Since he was two. Just well, kidding. now you're going with grown men. So there's, I think he would, ha- there's some of the advantages he would have in college where you're outlifting everybody. Sure. You're probably not going to get in the NFL, but his talent just oozes through. His work I, ethic. I, I think he's going to do really well there. It's not, you know, there's not stuff that you write down like, oh, he ran a four two five. Like, no, he didn't do that. Or he's six five. No, he's not like but there's stuff that you watch, and I think when he gets to practice and uh it usually doesn't take long. Players know. You watch a couple of practices and you're like, yeah. that kid's got it. Yeah. And I think my gut is that's what's going to happen for him in Detroit. But they do have – I mean, they have some really good receivers there. So yeah. um, it's not like his work – it's not like he's going to step in and sure, he's got yeah. his work cut out for him. Yeah. But I always would rather bet on work ethic than just straight-up talent in the professional. Yeah. And he's ranks. got both. But yeah, He's got both. But yeah. I'm just saying his work ethic was something that I haven't seen from a, a freshman when he came in. So – uh, we got a question from our buddy Eric in Duck Country. A question, and then he clarifies on something uh, he said that turned into a crazy Ryan analogy, so we'll get to that. He says, Ryan and Keeley, what is the percentage chance that the physicality of spring practice carries over into the fall? Eric. Uh, well, when we put it in our formula of Clay Helton-isms, <laughs> divide by two, and I'm just kidding. I think, uh, so it's not going to be the same. I feel like, what Todd Orlando said was all true about culture and all of that. But once you get to fall camp, the beginning of it, yeah, I think you're going to see maybe the first couple of weeks. But once they get into game prep, um, I don't think they're not going to be physical practices, but they're not going to be like what they were in the spring because you actually are preparing for an opponent. But yeah. I think the first couple of weeks when they're kind of figuring out the depth chart, whatever, finalizing things, You'll see more, probably more spring-like. They just can't have the complete drop-off like we've had before going to the mock game week where it's just like patty cake out there. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest difference is you're not going into May where you can recover and guys can kind of rest the bumps and bruises. Like you're heading into a 12-game schedule, which you haven't played in two years at that point. So it's going to be different. They're going to have to manage things. But I don't think based on – I don't think Todd Orlando would accept any type of like quote-unquote patty cake, as you said, Ryan. Yeah. Because um, that's just – they're all about culture and physicality. I think Vic Soto would like rip a fence out of the Howard Jones field or something being so frustrated yeah. about that. So we'll see. But the thing that will be interesting is that there's been reports that they're the NCAA is going to come out with changes to uh, fall camp requirements as far as like full tackling, pads, and stuff like that. So they might pull back a little bit what teams can do. So we'll see if that affects USC's plan there. But it yeah. was interesting to see. I mean, every time we saw USC, they were in full pads. Whether or not they were fully tackling, they uh, switched, but they were always in full pads, which was not something we've seen. We've never seen that, anything yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, so that was at least different. Um, and then Eric uh, clarified. He said, last week I wasn't suggesting that other ADs and Pac-12 commissioner would pressure USC into firing Clay Hilton. I was asking if you think that they all would secretly wish USC had an elite head coach because it would mean more money in TV contracts and millions of dollars for each school. Interesting. This this caused like a whole bunch of controversy. <laughs> Don't start. You want me to start? <laughs> Don't even start. You're going to okay. cause more controversy with Damn. the controversy. I know. Uh, <laughs> but, okay, so would they secretly want... 
Technically, you caused the controversy, but it's. It I just mentioned somebody on the podcast and then saw them at practice and said, hey, man, I mentioned you. <laughs> and, uh, oh, gosh. But it wasn't like, you know, it was just like using it as an example. Uh, but anyway, and then I guess there was a game of telephone going on and all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you may explain more. No. <laughs> Ryan. So, uh, okay. So, would they secretly want USC to have an elite head coach? Uh, I mean, I think if you're like Oregon State and you want the Pac-12 to be better, you secretly should want USC to be better. You'd rather USC be good. Like if you're Oregon State, who are the two most likely like torchbearers right now, Oregon and, and USC? You'd rather have USC be the torchbearer than Oregon. You don't want sure. your rival being that. So I, I think there's some aspects of it, but there wouldn't be some kind of meeting where like we need USC to hire a a better head coach, which I don't I, think he was ever suggesting that. I think that's what he's the way he worded mind. it though. It sounded like well, that. I believe. Uh, Eric, let's, let's be nice to Eric. Oh, we know we're nice to him. Yeah, <laughs> I know, yeah. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think this is just Eric being like, I, you know, all of us USC fans are wishing USC had a better head coach. I bet you our opponents are even wishing they had a better head coach. It makes sense in theory though. It does. Like once again, the rising tide lifts all boats. I think that's what he's getting to. Like, if USC is doing better, you kind of ride the coattails if you're a lower program in the conference. I think that's what he's getting at. And I could see that theory. I just don't like – if you go through the program, like, okay, you're USC's – I mean, you're UCLA's athletic director, like Martin Jarman. Do you think he gives a crap if USC keeps Clay Helton? Like, no, he doesn't care. Like, he might worry if USC went and hired, like, Urban Meyer. Like, oh, crap, now I have to – But Well, then he's inherently caring about Clay Helton. Yeah, but, I mean, he would rather – he w- he doesn't want USC to have a great head coach. Like so, he's going to be more selfish about it. So he okay, okay. he wouldn't care. I mean he I mean he's not someone that's going to be like man. I wish USC had a better head coach. Like he's not. I don't think anyone in the South is hoping that. Like Arizona's like yeah we suck. Man I just hope USC gets better because that will help. <laughs> you know like no I don't think that's happening. Like Oregon State possibly because you need someone good. You'd rather it not be Oregon. But like Oregon and Washington don't want USC to have a great head coach. Um, I don't think Washington State would would give a rip. Uh, Cal and Stanford wouldn't. So I would say, of all the schools, maybe Oregon State would wish that secretly, and that's it. <laughs> sorry, Eric, if we didn't answer it again. He probably regrets asking this question and clarifying. Right. So sorry, Eric. You know, if, if, we tried. if you tried twice and and no one's answered it well, maybe it's your question, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> gotta be nice. We to love the... we love Eric and Duck. Eric Country. and Duck Country, yes. Yeah. We also have Brett C. from Knoxville, Tennessee, which I love saying because it rhymes. Uh, he said, hey, Keelan Ryan, what's your prediction for the new Pac-12 commissioner from John Wilner's article about Oliver Luck? like to hear your thoughts, Brett C. Yeah, uh, we could know some stuff this week. Um, Wilner, as of last week, had Luck as a 3-1 to one favorite. He doesn't like putting odds in there. Um, it's His reporting has been good on this because there's been some interesting facts that come out. Like, not every president wanted Larry Scott gone. So just that alone. Is alarming. (laughs) Yeah. Like, do you feel confident that they're going to get this right? They did get a good search firm. Unfortunately, the the whole executive committee was Pacific Northwest based, but now they bring in. Not anymore. Yeah. Now they got Colorado. They got USC. And you need, like, an L.A. school to be involved in this. So that's good. But, you know, USC's pretty, pretty much got a rookie president right so i mean careful but at least you have usc representation you have pac-12 south representation but everyone has different ideas and there's a lot of people that are leaning towards 
the former AD side where you, you know campuses and you know that environment and other ones want the more, uh, you know, the TV contract person and um, someone that's more on the executive sports side. But that's pretty much what Larry Scott was. And that was a disaster. But it seems like they're staying away from anyone that had to do with Larry Scott, which is good. It's not good that a lot of the guys aren't on the same page. The people aren't on the same page, the, the men and women of the uh, committee and all of that stuff. The fact that not everyone wanted Larry Scott gone is enough to show that's like, man, they're all over the place. I think Wilner's been consistent with football has to be number one, two, and three. Like you, if you have to get football right, and if you can get football right, and you're not the best at women's basketball, you're still going to be better at women's basketball because football's right. And I feel like that's where they need to go. But I don't. It doesn't seem like everyone's on the same page. Um, you know, Oliver Luck seems like a, a really good candidate, but who knows at this point? You know, they. You. This is where you trust the people that make a lot of money and are really smart to do something correct. And I don't have a ton of confidence that they're going to do something correct. That's what I was going to say. Like, I understand why the presidents would want to be involved and in charge of this decision, but they come from such a different world where there's nuance in, in what you need from this commissioner. And I don't think that they would really understand it if they're not just immersed in college sports as much as the ADs and, and the athletic departments are. So I, I don't know. I apparently it's been they've been really tight lipped. Like not a lot of stuff is leaked about it. Um, I've heard things about like mystery candidates and people who you know are kind of out of the outside the box. So we'll see. But I mean, it's interesting because like the the CEO group and the presidents were part of the whole COVID plans and whatnot. And I know there was some conflict with that about like they were very. Um, high education minded about things versus like, Hey, this is sports and you have to think a certain way. Does that make sense, Ryan? Like it, it's sometimes a little, a little clash of the difference in, in mindsets. hundred percent. There's a lot of that. And that, you know, it's, it's athletics, not their most important task. And the stuff on the, at the university makes a lot more money than athletics, but athletics is like the front door, right? It's like the, you know, it's the curb appeal for your university. So it does, it does have a big impact. And uh, he only lists two candidates, really. He has Oliver Luck is three to one. And then Randy Freer, who used to be, he run he ran Fox Sports and Hulu at seven to two. The rest of the people, mystery candidate X, mystery candidate Y, mystery candidate Z, a package deal, which was talked about, which just seemed like a horrible idea. <laughs> but he does feel like May 17th is the important day. And we're recording this on May 12th, that it would be decided by then because the Pac-12 presidents are scheduled to hold their annual spring meeting uh, that day, but it could, uh, that could be something that kind of jolts the process. So we'll, we'll see. But, we uh, shall see indeed. Yeah. But thanks for the question. Mm -hmm. And we got one last question. It's from our buddies, Dan class of 1962 and his dog, Oliver. He says, hi, Ryan and Keely. Thanks for clarifying the use of a scout or service team. As to the slew of injuries, when John McKay was head coach winning four national championships, he always had players ankles taped for practices as well as games and his offensive linemen all wore knee braces. Aside from Anthony Munoz's major knee injury under John Robinson, I don't remember a slew of injuries, especially ankle and knee injuries during the McKay and Robinson eras. Does the current training staff tape ankles for every practice and game as well as require offensive line knee braces? Also, don't discount Orlando as a potential head coach because McKay was a Don Clark assistant as Robinson was a McKay assistant before they combined to win five national championships fight on and win dan class of 1962 
Hey, Dad. Yeah, Todd Orlando, I think, could be a candidate for sure. He was a hot name for quite a while and then, you know, got fired at Texas. But I think if he has a good year at USC, he'll be up there just like Graham Harrell was if he has a, a really good year. Still a lot of ankle taping going on. I don't think that's changed. Yeah, there's, a lot of- there's a lot of technology that goes into some of this stuff and a lot of data. Um, I mean, they wear the, the catapult uh system which is like it looks like a sports bra underneath yeah their, uh, when you see their guys pads. take off their things you're like oh, why is that guy wearing a sports bra <laughs> yeah it's actually like it's a little like a device that counts how many steps they do how many miles they run yeah. and that's why like guys on special teams sometimes they'll take them off of it just for one practice because they're running too many miles of practice so they, they definitely have a lot of data tracking things but it's like a fitbit on steroids right sure right, yeah, yeah 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 um, and then, yeah, ankles are taped, knee braces. I mean, what I heard coming out of uh, Andrew Millick's knee injury, he swore that uh, his knee brace saved him from a, a bigger knee injury. Uh, he came out with the MCL, I believe. So uh, that, so there you go. Some so I think I think it started with Tim Drevenel. He made all his offensive linemen wear knee braces when they didn't even want to, and I think that carried over. So yeah, um, that's it's been pretty common. Like it's something I don't really even notice anymore. But it's not something that was like a McKay era thing that went away. Like guys would just wear them all the time. There could be some dudes that don't. There could have been some periods where some of the guys weren't wearing knee braces. But for the most part, it's always seemed to be out there. But that stuff is happening. Yeah, like the, a lot of the old school stuff that was happening before, getting your ankles taped and all that stuff, like that still happens. Still now you happens. got some of those like that the kinesiology tape KT tape yeah yeah like there's things like that that people put on they always look kind of funky like like a shoulder brace yeah wear under pads yeah there's a lot of that kind of stuff stuff. yeah there's less eye black i don't know if which i'm kind of sad about eye black is badass i liked it like that was college of all to me growing up yeah like you gotta have some cool eye black yeah uh i'm not a big like i don't write the area code sorry yeah yeah 619 was a um yeah, I, I'm not a person that's like, oh, my God, they're wearing black socks. Like, I would go out and watch practice, and I wouldn't know what color socks. And then, like, if Dan Weber was around, he would tell us, like, did you believe the spats? I'm like, I, I, didn't, I, did, I didn't notice. Um, but there's some people that really do, and they're like, that makes a difference. I'm yeah. Like, Harvey Hyde is big on, like. Uniformity. Yeah, wanting everyone to be, like, you know, have your jersey tucked in and stuff. And I, I get that more than, like the fashion statement of everyone should have black socks or whites or whatever it is. Sure. Like, I, you know, that doesn't bother me as much. It's actually something Reggie Bush harped on, on the Utah game when, uh, the Fox sports crew was there Oh yeah, during yeah. warmups. He like kind of ragged on USC for not looking uniform. I was like, Oh, okay. I, and that's like when Harvey Hyde talks about it, you know, like boomer or whatever, like yell, yell, <laughs> yelling things at the guy. It's like, and people would like talk about his record. He was a head coach in you know, major college football. Like, if he was zero and a hundred as the head coach, he still was a head coach. Like he's gone through meetings. He's you know you have a different perspective than people like us that have never been a head coach in college football. Yeah, um, good or bad or whatever, it's just about the fact that he's done that. He's hosted meetings. He's tried things, things that worked, things that didn't. Um, you know, I think all of that, you know, is important. You're like, hey, you've done it before, but uh, you know, it's one of those things. But Reggie Bush, as a player, now. He's 15 years or whatever more, you know, outside of college. But I think that holds more weight when he says, yeah, the guys didn't even look like they were on the same team, which I get. Like, that made sense to me. Like, you know what? It does sort of show if you're a little uh, buttoned up. And maybe Harvey Hyde and, and Reggie Bush will bring it, saying it in a different way. But they're kind of saying the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a culture thing. It can be. But it doesn't have to be the end all be all. 
You know, right. there's other tools to have a strong culture. So, but if you're like, if you're nonchalant like that, like if Alabama came out like that, they wouldn't. But if they did, and then they dominate, and then they don't commit a lot of penalties, and they don't turn the ball over, then no one cares. It, no one gives a crap, right? Yeah. Cool. Pete Carroll's teams had a lot of nonchalance about them, but they were, they still committed a lot of penalties, but they were really good. <laughs> that was, yeah. I think for USC, you come out and look like that and you commit a lot of penalties and you turn the ball over and you don't look like things are buttoned up. You're like, then you should probably look like you're buttoned up going into it just so like it shows that, oh, yo, we're really trying. Because if you don't look like things are buttoned up and then you play like things aren't buttoned up, then guess what? Things probably aren't buttoned up. Well, is it, it's like the chicken or the egg. Are you not buttoned up because you're not buttoned up? Like yeah. that's why you don't play well? I, you know. But I mean, it's the same thing with like guys smiling or dancing. Like, if they play well, who cares? But yeah, it's understandable if they're like not focused. So it is what it is. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> it's I've always I'm I I do like to act like you've been there before. Like celebration and stuff are cool, but like something there's something more badass about like scoring a touchdown and like giving the ball to the ref or just putting it down and, and walking away. Like, yep, that happened. I'm a, I'm a medium reaction type of gal. Like, yeah. show off a little bit. It's it's football. It's fun. But don't be, like, crazy. The thing I can't stand is, like, the ball was not even – it wasn't even catchable, and the DBs are, like, freaking out like they did something. It's like, okay, that wasn't – That wasn't, that yeah. wasn't you. But. Or, you know, it's, uh, like, third and 14, and the, some guy rips off, like, a 20-yard run, and you tackle him, and you're, like, celebrate. You're like, you just gave up a third and 14. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a nice hit, but he got 20 yards on yeah. you and Maybe they moved not. the chip. Yeah, Context like, is important for your celebration. How about that? So, yeah. And I, I, I never want to begrudge like players for celebrating, but yeah, sometimes no. when you're celebrating, it's like, okay, you're, you're, you're down 45. Like, why are you like, that's what point? I'm saying. Context is important. Like maybe not right now. Like I, I'm all for celebration. It's sports. You're young. Go yeah. for it. But maybe not when you're down. It's that like, much. yeah. Like maybe it's an ironic celebration. Like sometimes, like if I, you're don't, I don't think so. Yeah, like if I'm playing volleyball, like we're getting our ass kicked, and then, but I go up and just crush a ball, and I'd be like, yeah, like okay, we're still down 15, but whatever, you know, like sure, I, you sure, know, sure, sure, feel good yeah. about it. At least but it would be more of an ironic cheer, like yes, of course. Like, hey, I finally did something or whatever, you know, yeah. like yeah. So maybe not crawl out of uh, AT and T uh, tunnel before you face Alabama. Is what you're saying? Probably, yeah. That's <laughs> that, yeah. That's just like that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, that was. The nugget. I don't remember what happened that day, but it probably wasn't good. No, I, <laughs> I think USC fans have blighted out a little bit. We had a couple of years in a row, right, going AT and T Stadium. We did we're Cotton Bowl, Alabama. We were supposed to go again. I know that we didn't. Yeah. Pandemic. Pandemic. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. Good stuff. Thank you. Sir. We kind of went a while. We did. Uh, a lot of talking. We have, we, it's, we haven't hung out for a bit, so it's yeah, good to A little delirious for this spot, but you know. Yeah, so keep sending the questions. We do appreciate that. We're probably not going to do as many like Harvey Hyde shows. Are you guys going to do more like Family Feuds or probably not as many? Well, I'm going on vacation soon. So. Oh, yeah, Kayla's going on vacation. Oh, so i got to get like a co-host for a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we'll keep we'll keep them going in some semblance of whatever, and we'll uh, – Semblance of whatever. Yeah. Are you are you around for Tunnel Vision this weekend or no? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I think we're going to have to, like, recruit Chris. I might have to take the Keeley seat over. Yeah. Uh, or it could just be me and Shotgun, and then he could maybe be in this room, and I don't know. We'll figure it out. We we'll figure see. It. We'll figure yeah. it out. Keeley needs a vacation. She hasn't been on vacation <laughs> yeah, for a like three couple years. of years. <laughs> Gerard, I don't think, ever goes on vacation. No, and, he does. He just doesn't leave. And he doesn't tell anyone. He doesn't say anything. Yeah. Like, I would tell him, like – 
Gerard, go go somewhere. Go on vacation. I'm like, nah. I'm like, just go go do someone. Like, yeah. just get away. I'm like, nah. He just that's not him. Yeah, but it's May. It's kind of a dead period right now for um, football right now. So. It is. And normally you would be May evaluations were going on. We still have a dead period. So it's like football's ended, like spring, draft, and no really recruiting until June. So yeah. it's, it's I mean, the coaches are on vacation. Players went home after finals. Today's the last day of finals for USC. So kind of low key. May is usually the, the slowest month out of the 12 months that we have. Yeah. But it's even slower this year because there's not even the evaluations. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so it's like no engineered recruiting. to be slower. <laughs> yes. And uh, it's, it's even worse. But congrats to everyone out there graduating across yeah. the country, players, you know, students, wherever. Like, I think graduation is like the 15th for USC. Is it this yes. uh, weekend? Yeah, yeah, I believe. Well, I mean, it's like a whole week and they're doing like different times. It's a whole strategy because of COVID. Oh, so they're like, yeah, you used to have it like all in one day. Like, oh, you can do your engineering one in the morning yeah. and then the main ceremony later. Or the main ceremony in the morning and then you go to your oh, okay. major Satellite afterwards. Yeah. yeah, It's been yeah. a little longer since I graduated. From Four here. years to the day, Ryan, for me. <laughs> I'm Wait, old. How many for me? I'm so old. Oh my god, mine's your diploma's right there, right? <laughs> you can reference uh, it. Yeah, I mean, I had my 25th anniversary from college Yikes. a couple of years ago, so Yikes. like I'm approaching 30. Like, oh, that's bad. I for still, undergrad. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there you go. My master's is 25 too. Shoot, because yeah, <laughs> that was 95. Yeah, when I was born. <laughs> Young at heart, Ryan. You're young yeah. at heart. True. Oh, man, I'm getting old here. All right. Well, let's just wrap things <laughs> Depressing up. Depressing into the pod. Thanks to Trader Joe's. Thanks to my co-host, Keely Yor. And uh, hopefully she has a very fun vacation. Congrats again to our friends over at the Reign of Troy. Getting engaged. Uh, yeah, I don't. Th- we're probably not doing that on this podcast, but, you know, whatever. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Make things inappropriate. Stop. Gosh, just wrap up the podcast. You're going on vacation. I got to, like, give you one last dig or something, you know? <laughs> Okay, sure. <laughs> Just wrap it up. If we anyone's do. still listening at this point, Probably man, not. you get a gold star. Thank you so much. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.